0: Not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Leaning Middle. My name's Eric. And I'm Brian. And today we're going to be taking a look at the fallout from the Capitol speech and insurrection for Donald Trump. There's been a lot of things that have come to light since that uh, since last Wednesday, everything from, you know, we're starting to learn about the involvement and potential involvement of different members of the government. We're seeing Trump's inner circle shrink continually and we're getting ready for potentially, you know, the most heavily defended inauguration in American history. So there's a lot to touch on here.
0: It really is. And uh, all of it really is fascinating to me because you know, there's there's some things that we can point to that you're kind of like, hey, we kind of told you this was was heading in this direction. But I don't think any of us, anybody saw the fallout happening the way it happened and as fast as it happened.
1: Exactly, exactly. Nobody nobody could have expected <clears throat> everything to go. You know, it's, it's funny. It's kind of like what you said. We Everybody might have expected that ultimately this is how the Trump presidency would have ended if you know when everybody was being cynical in 2016 but at the same time to actually see it take place and have our nation be in this state it is it's absolutely shocking
0: yeah it's uh, you know no, i don't think anybody was really surprised that he got impeached I, I think there's a few people that were probably surprised that he got impeached and you know the impeachment conversation has been ongoing and and kind of talked to death and and you and i really talked and decided we didn't want to just harp on the impeachment we wanted to talk about the fallout of the impeachment but what was it about the impeachment process that intrigued you
1: i think what we saw i mean right out the gate um it was bipartisan approval of the process especially at scales that we have never actually seen in american history so, even though only ten GOP members decided to vote to impeach the president that 's actually more than any other president in history it 's usually a very partisan vote whoever has the Senate majority tends to make the the House majority at that time tends to make those calls so it 's very interesting to see that that many people a couple freshmen uh, House of Representative members as well people that might have literally just been. Um, taken the oath of office and basically just ended their political careers because they won't be reelected by constituents who are loyal to Trump. But they still did what they needed to do. And then we also saw some top brass in the GOP leadership, like Liz Cheney, come out very publicly and express her um, intent to impeach the president. So across the board, you know, it, it. I'm not surprised, or I guess you know, in my heart, I'm not surprised that. There wasn't that ma- that there were that many people who kind of crossed the uh, crossed the aisle there. But at the same time, it kind of kind of shocks you, you know. If this is an
0: impeachable conduct, what is? Yeah, well, and I think what's what's still pretty interesting to me is as more videos come out of the insurrection and more information and and data about who actually was in there, what kind of groups were in there and you know all those different aspects that we're just learning more and more and more about every day and we're seeing more videos come out and Mm -hmm. it really is kind of surprising to me that maybe a few more republicans didn't didn't swing that way um i think if go ahead go ahead no you're up
1: oh i was gonna say i think if you know, the impeachment, if they voted on impeachment this week, I bet you more people would have crossed that aisle with, like, the new evidence and the new videos that have come out that you've talked about.
0: I I think so. I I think there's a lot of Republicans right now that are, are really skating on thin ice because they're not willing to commit to one side or the other of the trump And
1: it's interesting you say that because Ben Sass, the, uh, republican senator out of nebraska he actually penned a really good op-ed out of the atlantic um it was good i would say 95 percent he equated the new york times to oan so he kind of lost me there but (laughs) in the uh in the minutiae of what he was kind of talking about there he was saying you know so many republicans have tried to stay with the establishment while winking at QAnon. And he said that's finally caught up to the Republican Party. You know, we can't play this game of winking, nudging, you know, saying like, ha ha, I'm not directly referencing it, but I'm not, you know, directly um, condemning it either. So they know, you know, especially the establishment knows that there's a reckoning for the party right now, especially after these events. And I think that's another major long term fallout we're going to see from the insurrection is. Is the Republican Party going to be able to recover from this? Is it going to be able to recover from
0: Trumpism? Well, there's a there's a lot going on inside that right now. I think it was McConnell that came out and said, you know, he's going to he's willing to think about impeaching and and doing everything he needs to do from his standpoint against Trump because this is his opportunity to get the GOP back. It's and very true. Yeah. The, the The question I have to ask is can it come back and if it even if it does come back is it going to represent anything that the republican party actually stands for and exactly there's a lot of information that's coming out and a lot of what's just getting tied into it and and here's the scary part you have these extremists right now that are talking about civil war and i really thought that this was something that we were kind of joking around about a long time ago yeah, about you know, there's going to be a civil war if he doesn't get elected. I'm really scared now in the direction that this is going that there are words that are being used in everyday conversations that I don't recall being used, and those are words like supremacist, um, civil war, um, attacking, Even just insurrection
1: fighting, and sedition, insurrection, out know?
0: I mean, my gosh, if you would have asked me a month ago that. What would we be talking about in at the end of of January? None of those words would have been involved in that. And
1: Yeah, I would have said pardons, you know, or something along those lines or how he's setting himself off, but
0: no. (laughs) We're we're gonna be talking about that after Tuesday and Wednesday with evidently he wants a twenty one gun salute and he's inviting a bunch of people to Andrews. Did they?
1: Yeah, the Pentagon denied him a military sendoff, which I found hysterical.
0: But at so the same they time, they finally I'm stood going, up to him.
1: Yeah, I think they finally just said, like, hey, man, like, you know, even we know it's over.
0: Yeah. Well, but that goes to really transition into the next part of our, our conversation. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I would love to talk about how he's requested a big sendoff at uh, Andrews and he's not getting any RSVPs back. <laughs> Um, yeah. So you know that's that's interesting to me. Uh, maybe a big party of one. I don't know. But exactly. Uh, um, you know the Pentagon finally standing up to him really transitions into what we were going to talk about is where is Trump now and and what power does he have left if any and what yeah. leverage does he have left of any because man that from what I'm hearing inside the White House is that it is like a ghost town in there. People are not talking to him. Aides are staying away from him. Nobody's going in and confronting him or talking to him. He's staying in the Oval Office by himself. And people said that they are making, you know, moves to try to advance their career and um, get new jobs. And he's making a target list. A here's who I'm going to get back at. Um, yes. What, what are your thoughts of that? I, I mean. That's pretty bad. It is
1: interesting. It is bad. I mean, it's exactly what I expected to happen. You know, I I don't ever foresee this man all of a sudden waking up and, you know, finding that his heart's grown three sizes overnight. It's just, (laughs) it is what it is. And with him making target lists, being petty, planning, you know, how he can get revenge is all he could focus on. Because like you said, the things that would actually matter right now, the things that he Desperately wants to do things like declassify files around the Russia investigation, around his whole ObamaGate thing. Which again, I just I I don't even care if he releases files around all of that. I think he really wants them to show that he was wronged in some ways. But obviously, a Republican held Congress cleared you know (laughs) the Obama administration of any wrongdoing outside of the one low-level FBI agent. So.
0: Well, but I think that without
1: all the aides, though, and everybody working with him, he doesn't have the manpower and the ability to do all the things that, you know, it takes. So as his staff has shrunk down to basically just Mark Meadows in the West Wing, he doesn't he doesn't have the ability to do a lot of the things that the president does because he gives the orders and he usually has an army that will go out and do it. And right now it's it's just him and Meadows.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well I mean even Ivanka and uh Jared are stepping back from him and, and pivoting their they're trying to, you know, save their careers too or or any resemblance of something like that. And and that it was thing-
1: interesting. I Go heard ahead. Ivanka was telling Trump saying, Oh, you know, we need to think about my political future and he said he basically turned back to her and said you need to like double down on what we're doing. That's the only way you're going to have a political future. He's like, you know, these people won't vote for you if you don't fight as hard as I'm fighting. So
0: toxic. Um, (laughs) It it is. And, you know, part of the, the fall of Trump is also what is the fall of the Trump organization. And you have companies that have come out since the insurrection and the impeachment that have cut ties with the organization. And so yeah. Trump's behavior in office is having a very significant impact on his future wealth and the future of his company and, and what it's going to do to his kids. This, mm-hmm. is, this is really resemblance of somebody who really I, – I think they lost their mind a long time ago because there yeah. was no thought to any fallout of this. I, I think no, he really no. felt like he was above any fallout of his actions. And but at the same social... time,
1: if you really think of his life, he has been, you know? And it's it, like even the first impeachment, he's been more brazen with high crimes and misdemeanor than any other president. So I don't even almost fault him because the government has failed so terribly at holding him accountable.
0: That's true. That's true. But you know, it's it's things like you know, what's the, what's going to happen to the Trump organization and you know, Eric Trump and uh, you know, Donald Jr. Still, he's still going out and fighting this this fight. I don't know that he's really curved his rhetoric. I know that uh, they've backed he has off <laughs> of the, the the social media sides of it, but um, and then I I know I read a thing on Ivanka and Jared and they really couldn't go back to New York because the social circles in New York have turned their backs on, on them. And, yeah. you know, they're going down to Florida. Well, they may end up in New Jersey for a little bit, but they're going to Florida um, which is going to be weird. What happens in Mar-a-Lago if the exactly going to let them back in, but they, I know they bought an Island and they're saying that she's going to try to run for Marco Rubio's seat.
1: Interesting. I could see, I mean, I know Rubio is going to try to run in 2024 alongside Cruz. Um, So that'll be interesting to see how that power structure starts to play out in Florida. You know, if the Florida GOP does adopt her as the woman for the job.
0: Well, what I heard was that she's going to run for Rubio's spot, but she has to be a resident of Florida for six years. And then she's going to run for governor. Huh. Huh. Uh, that's that's the according to someone close to Ivanka, but speaking uh, off the record or, you know, anonymity.
1: I can it never say that It will be interesting. Word, right? You hit it on the head there. Thanks. Anonymity. Thanks. Um, it's always tricky, though, to see how, you know, that's the that's the million dollar question that I think everybody, every political commentator at least would ask their crystal ball if they could is, what is going to happen to the trump brand like will this will we move forward in a way and will the economic recovery and the medical recovery from the pandemic be so positive and done correctly under biden that it basically solidifies the death of trumpism or Will things falter? Will tensions continue to stay as high as they are currently leading right into somebody actually giving somebody with the last name Trump a chance to run for public office again?
0: I think it's smart
1: that they moved to Florida because that state definitely has probably one of the lowest bars possible for elected politicians, (laughs) but it is, it still is a lot to see if, you know, in four years from now or six years, however long it takes for her to run, the question is... Is Donald, is Trump taken seriously or is it just used as almost a insult or a
0: comical word? Yeah, I, and I think that's what you're going to run into is nobody's going to take him serious anymore. Uh, I mean, the, the leader of the Trump brand has lost his platform. And yeah. here's the ironic part. He didn't even take advantage of what platforms he had left. This nope. is a guy that has... Lived and thrived off of attacking the media and but also being engaged with the media and when Twitter took his his platform away and and the other social media um platforms followed, the one thing that Trump could have done he didn't take advantage of it. he could have held press conferences in that press room
1: exactly. he never he, like that's what I was cracking me up when everybody was like. They're violating his First Amendment rights. They're taking away his platform. And I'm like, he can actually stop news broadcasts across the country at any time to tell us anything if he wanted to. He's choosing not to.
0: Yeah. So really, what is – I'm trying to, as a marketer, I'm trying to figure out what play he's working at from a branding standpoint because he has lost his voice he has followers pivoting from him, and he has not done anything proactively. And I'm I'm sitting there trying to think. Okay, what what is he playing at here? Like, what's he gonna? Is he gonna try to take over the Rush Limbaugh show? You know, I you think don't that's even the hard thing is
1: he just doesn't have anybody right now you know normally he would have a team he would have somebody talking about his next campaign and somebody leading this charge with branding and strategy but he is he hasn't thought about 2024 because he has not let 2020 go
0: right well that's a great
1: point and that's the one thing is he can't look forward because in his mind he's still being wronged and i could see him ultimately not even running again in 2024 Just because he throws this big of a hissy fit and says, like, why would I run again? It's not even fair. You know, something along those lines where he's creating the excuse that he needs to later back out of it.
0: Yeah. Well, here's what makes me nervous about about Trump. But here's also something else to think about. This guy has dogged and trashed just about every legitimate news source out there. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: once he leaves office, are they going to cover him? I
1: wouldn't, you know? I think they will, but it won't be the front page news. It'll just be like, oh, Donald Trump did something goofy.
0: But this guy did – Twitter did what so many other politicians have tried to do and so many other people, businessmen, have tried to do. They literally knocked Trump down to his knees.
1: Yeah. I I mean it was – it was the virtual 25th Amendment. (laughs) It's like – Everybody wants to fault big tech, but it got to a certain point where it's like, it's troubling. You know, I agree mm-hmm. with free speech across the board. I really do. But when you're getting to the point of disinformation that's being spread from a government official, if the government isn't able to take actions to stop it because it's too broken and it's going to let the president continue to just blatantly lie and create division. I'm happy that big tech was there to step in and do what they needed to do because it just comes down to, you know, Trump was literally abusing and taking advantage of this country if you look at it from a, you know, what's actually true kind of perspective. So it doesn't doesn't throw me off that much, whereas I know a lot of people are still very worked up about it. Plus, they already said they're going to give him the platform back once he's out of office for a few months.
0: Yeah, and... You know, we'll see. I mean, depends on how bad everybody else acts, you know, yeah. if his his followers don't, um, you know, kind of quiet down on the the Civil War talk and, the um, you know, attacking and trying to breach state capitals and, and everything else. I mean, the, the problem is you, you've incited a, a flame that I really think got away from him. Yeah. Or or this is exactly what he wanted.
1: That's the biggest question. And that's where we're going to see the impeachment trial itself really get interesting when they start to shape that exact question you just asked, which is, did this get away from him or is this exactly what he intended? And the amount of evidence that, you know, we're starting to see. Even just, you know, Nancy Pelosi came forward, and I'm not sure it was her, actually. There were so many announcements being made this past week. But somebody from the House or an official stepped forward and said that there is ongoing investigations for active House of Representative members. So we already know that the FBI is investigating government officials being in touch with rioters. Everybody thinks it has to do with Laura Boebert out of Colorado, who is the QAnon congresswoman. She apparently was giving tours to people the day prior when there is no tours allowed due to COVID regulations in the Congress right now. And she was still leading people around. And what people are saying is she was actually showing them where Pelosi's office was. This is how you get here. This is how you get there. Ultimately, her chief of staff resigned, and he was somebody who had worked on Capitol Hill for – decades. So the fact that he stepped down and backed off is a big indicator that he knows a shitstorm's coming. So it looks like we're going to just start to see more and more details come out where there is direct, you know, linking, maybe probably not between Trump or any high ranking officials and rioters, but definitely people within that administration and definitely within the Republican Party. And that's where
0: it's going to get very, very, very crazy in Congress. I, I think so. I think, you know, a lot of our our leaders right now and, and really the Trump's legacy is going to be cemented by Biden. And yeah, what I mean by that is Biden comes in and writes the ship and calms everything down, then it's going to make Trump look even more inadequate.
1: Exactly. And that's going to
0: infuriate Donald Trump. And his ego is not going to allow the, the history books to um, portray him in a way of inadequacy or uh, in uh, lack of intelligence or, or whatever, yeah. you wanna, whatever you want to whatever you want to point to. But I think that Biden and, and his his first one hundred days will really be the the final twist in the knife of Donald Trump now here's Here's the other thing that really is is kind of impeding that not a lot of people want to talk about, but how is the government going to come in and inject confidence and inject peaceful resolution at a time where people are just scared at what is happening to the United States right now like
1: that's one of the hardest questions of it you is know,
0: insane yeah. Who can,
1: when you step forward, will the Republicans, you know, or moderate Democrats, will they work with Biden to help heal the nation? Or will they make it as hard as possible for him to help the nation in order to get better midterm results, in order to get better 2024 results for the party? And that's where we're at. Because we need a unified government more than ever. We need both sides working together to pass meaningful aid, get the vaccine rolled out as quickly and safely as possible. But even you know within the government up before the attack on the Capitol, it was so divided. But now we're starting to see a little more unity coming around kind of condemning what happened. And I'm just curious to see if that's going to bleed over into the Biden administration or if, you know, January 21st, all gloves are off for McConnell and
0: the right again. I, I'm telling you, I don't know which way it's going to go, but, you know, you, you kind of hit it on the head and, and it's been trending this way for, for quite some time. In fact, I mean, that's why we named this podcast Leaning Middle is we we saw it just keep drifting further apart and. We had to start. It wasn't get to the middle. It was like, dude, just at least lean towards the middle a little bit. Exactly. But, but, you know, the the scary thing for a lot of people right now is some of the things I'm hearing. You know, we're talking about unity and we're talking about trying to bring peaceful resolution to this. And I had a conversation with a, a gentleman the other day that I wouldn't say he's an extremist. But I think he might be a little bit more extreme than even he believes he is. But he was yeah. tying a connection to – I'm going to see if I can get this right. He was tying a connection to Nazi Germany in 1933. And he said that there was a gentleman on TV, a, a law prof, or a professor of constitutional history that, that told this. And, and that's where he got it from. But he was tying a line between – Nazi Germany, 1933, when the state started controlling the messaging. And if they didn't like what you were saying, you went to a concentration camp or you were taken out back and killed or you were beat or whatever it might be. And I said, you're right. That's kind of where we were heading with with Trump. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, it is not Trump that was acting like Nazi Germany. It's the Democrats. And I was like, wait, what? How, how are you drawing that connection? He said the Democrats control big tech. Big tech silenced the opposition by taking them off the air and everything else. So that whole – How do the Democrats control big tech when it's unfettered capitalism? But That's, that's my
1: biggest question. That's what, what I'm like, saying <laughs>
0: is this whole other side aren't even being rational about the situation. And when you, you can't rationalize with somebody who's irrational.
1: Yeah, I can say for sure. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, Jack Dorsey, or Elon Musk are really hopeful about Biden's tax plan. I just, I I just, it it really catches me off guard when people say big tech is a tool of the left. And it's like, well, it's, it has a PR department. Sure. You know, Uh but at the other side of the coin, they really want to see the you know conservative agenda move forward in most cases, so that it, they can retain the amount of wealth they've accumulated. Oh, now of there's of course some you know more. It's a deeper debate now because of things like Section 230. You know, repealing that has become a conservative pet project when it wouldn't actually do anything to stop censorship, but it is. It's interesting, you know, because on one side you have the millionaires and billionaires who are definitely, you know, even if they lean left, they don't want to see a left agenda take place. But then the tech companies themselves need the support of Democrats. So, you know, they're not deregulated or put more regulations on, I should say.
0: Well, and and I think they're safe for a little bit, but the problem is, you know, now It's a matter of it's all out there and it's all in the open and they're not going to let go until it's been resolved somewhat the way they want it to be. But, you know, I I had this conversation um, yesterday, actually, and that conversation was you're crying about First First Amendment rights, the, the freedom of speech and everything else. You have that. Nobody's taking that away from you. If you want to go down on the corner and stand in the corner with a bullhorn and spout out whatever you want to spout out, you can do that. Trump could do it. Trump could do it. If Any, allowed can to get it.
1: on a soapbox out front of the White House, it's, they didn't silence him at all. Right. You know, he can he can do anything he wants. That's what cracks me up with the Nazi comparisons. It's like, you know, I just watch rioters pull police officers into crowds and then beat them with flags specifically designed to support the police. And it's like, okay. So I see that happen on one side, and then I see Twitter banning Trump on the other. And I'm like, which one looks more authoritarian, you know? And it it just – it kind of confuses me optically. It's like, of course you can – Turn anything into text and make it easy to set, fit a narrative, but it's just like it boggles my mind how anybody can see those videos and say,
0: Yeah,
1: I, I mean, it's fine. <laughs>
0: We're yeah. fine. Well, and the other thing is, if you don't like the way that a platform can or treats your content or your message, you have the right to not use them. Yeah, the second you can go thing start is, your own. You cannot get mad at a platform for flagging or taking down your comments if you signed the terms and conditions. You, exactly. gave, you gave them permission to do this.
1: So, and it's what's funny, you know, everybody's worked up about Parlor being taken off because they're like, well, they took down Parlor too, and that's what that's they were trying the, to do. And then you hit the same point, though. It's like, well... They're working with Amazon. They signed a contract that has terms and conditions. If they want to host, you know, the largest social media site, they need to get their own servers. Yeah. They need to buy their own stuff. You want to be, you know,
0: it's capitalism. Figure it well, out. The, the if you can, if is, it's not
1: working for you, yeah. you, can, you can fix
0: it. <laughs> yeah. The flip side of that is, you know, people are all upset that they took down Parler and, and everything else. Well, first of all, it, because that's big tech taken down, someone with a voice again and everything else. No. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't allow ISIS to come on and spout their stuff and radicalize people on those platforms. So why should we let it happen domestically?
1: Exactly. What, what I mean these were, got, This sorry. wasn't just hate speech. It was hate speech, but it was also planning That's literal it. kidnappings and murders.
0: <laughs> That's it. It's they didn't get taken down because of what was said on their platform, they got taken down because they didn't do anything about it. They didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, every platform is held to the same standard, which is if your algorithm detects any type of coordination for insurrection or domestic terror attacks, you're to report it to the the federal agencies. They didn't report it. That's what they got taken down for.
1: Yeah. They didn't even try to moderate it. You know, it wasn't even like they knew it was there and didn't report it. They just, they literally didn't moderate the site. And I mean, unfortunately, I forget who it was, but like a few of the guys who developed the early Internet came out and released a statement like a, five years ago or something and said like, hey, we actually made a mistake. It's very obvious humans are not ready for <laughs> the Internet technology because oh, it's it's so true. True. you get enough people into a chat room of any kind of setting. And, yeah, you know, you're going to get keyboard courage. You're going to say things. You're going to fall into a mob mentality. And you could end up planning how to break into the Capitol and kidnap Nancy Pelosi, even though you're a plumber in Tuscaloosa. You know, it's just, it just yeah. it boggles my mind that we need social media to understand and moderate correctly to avoid that, to avoid radicalization, not just the fact that these death threats are being made, but they're pulling more people into it as well.
0: You know, you and I talked in the last episode about we believed that some of the people that um, breached the Capitol weren't there with the intention of doing it. They just got wrapped up in the moment. And, you know, that's mob mentality. What social media does and what the Internet does is it puts mob mentality on such a grand scale that nobody can really comprehend how big that mob mentality is.
1: Exactly. And it can many times spill into the real world and again it's just it's another one of those direct consequences of the impeachment and the insurrection is this debate that we're having currently and it's going to continue to bleed over into this session of congress and likely into the next session of congress as well which is trying to figure out what power does big tech have what power should it have are we comfortable deregulating more? Do we need more regulation, even though that's more authoritarian? It's all very, very interesting because nobody has the answers for these questions. Even big tech doesn't have the answer for these questions. And it's they're scrambling to figure out what the best, you know, answer is for them. While yeah. Congress like, you know, moves very, very slowly, so they'll likely win. But it is. It's a new it's a new debate where we're at a point that we didn't realize the power that these companies have or many people didn't, at least. I think you and me are probably more than aware of that given our uh, professions, but it is, it's shocking. So real quick, I guess, uh, do a couple lightning rounds here. What do you think is the biggest hurdle for the GOP moving
0: forward? Establishing its core values. I like I think, it. I agree. I think that's the the hardest part is nobody knows what the GOP stands for and they have a unique opportunity to reposition themselves and capitalize on core values. They need to come out and say this is what, you know, the GOP, the the, the right does not stand for this. They do not we yes. do not stand for violence. We do not stand for overthrowing government or attacking government officials we stand for peaceful resolution and we stand for these principles that's their pr move that's where they need to go
1: i like it i agree with that okay what do you think trump's biggest worry is now that he's leaving office do you think it's the impeachment trial do you think it's the southern district of new york what do you think is his biggest hurdle facing him as soon as he gets on air force one
0: on wednesday his biggest hurdle facing him is himself oh he he can take yeah he can take on he's a strong guy i mean he's he's not weak yeah. he's
1: that His trump is a on.
0: charismatic strong
1: stupidly in many ways courageous individual you can't yeah. you can't deny
0: that for sure you know he he has the ability to manipulate and get away with he's done it his whole life so i don't think that's his biggest hurdle the the fact is can he overcome the fact that he lost and can he reposition himself to get his feet underneath him and move forward
1: so here's the big question i think that everybody's thinking too so given the circumstances with everything playing out what should be the Congress, which now has a super majority for the Democratic Party, what should their first focus be getting into office? Is it making sure Trump can never run for president again, or is it carrying out Biden's initial uh, bills and legislations?
0: So this is a difficult one because you look at it and you go, there a, a poll came out, several polls have come out in the last day and even today that have said if the. Um, 2024 race was taking place right now Donald Trump would be the can- uh, presidential candidate for the GOP yeah he still, he still has all he still has that going for him so the question is do you go in and try to circumvent his run and try to um, demoralize and finalize his political career Mm -hmm. which which is only four years the guy was never a politician in the first place or do you do you focus on getting the cabinet members in and um start moving forward the policies Mm -hmm. i i think i think biden's right on this one i think you got to do both yeah yeah there's no you got to i mean
1: way to go about it
0: you you can't put on hold, you know, Biden needs to come in and he needs to start swinging for the fences right away and he needs to get some home runs. Yeah. And if he can do that, that goes a long ways in trying to bring the country together. The yeah. The more Very you true. focus on the impeachment, the more it's going to inflame the right side. So you can't put such a focus on it that it's the topic of conversation. But you need to be doing something. It's like a magician. Look at what I'm doing in my left hand so you're not paying attention to what I'm doing in my right hand. That's a very
1: keen point is they could almost use the pomp and circumstance of inauguration. Basically what the Trump administration did, which was they said all this outlandish crap that everybody was appalled by. And then underneath the surface, they just confirmed uh, conservative judges <laughs> across the judiciary so maybe that's something to be said where they can use impeachment as the hey this is what the press is going to be talking about and then it gives on the other hand hey let's cram through this agenda and do what we can while nobody's looking yep so there's interesting go.
0: there you go congress and and president-elect biden we gave you the first free piece of advice there next one you bring exactly. on as advisors
1: yeah, yeah, that'll that's that's our one a week. Um but yeah, so we're we're getting close to wrapping up here, so I'll just uh remind everybody to like review uh share everything you possibly can on whatever platform that you are listening on. We appreciate everybody who's still listening and um yeah, it's going to be an exciting week coming up, isn't it?
0: I I think so. I you got an inauguration, you got Um, capital gatherings Um, you know you've got what's interesting to me about this is this is the first time that we've had more troops in Washington D.C. than we have in Afghanistan, Iraq and there's one other combined yeah that's government
1: for you completely unprepared when it matters and then (laughs) swings the pendulum into full scale authoritarianism (laughs) to try to remedy it
0: I, I think this week, you know, with the inauguration and the, um, the the movement, and then also you're supposed to get your new governor or your new senators in from Georgia this week as well.
1: Very true. There's going to be a lot so, to talk
0: about on the next episode. Yep, absolutely. And we look forward to talking about it with you guys and exploring the the middle ground.